Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, J-E-T-S 3413. It's a Black Friday blowout. It's another Dolphins. I can't imagine much better than leftover turkey and a Black Friday Dolphins blowout victory at the Meadowlands. Now 8-3, and three, they dominate a division opponent on the road in every facet of the game and get to enjoy a nice long weekend, one that they enter atop the AFC standings at 8-3. and three. We'll tell you the game story, talk about the biggest moments we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, and of course the five takeaways. All of that and more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is... The Drive Time Podcast. So my first point of contention here on the show tonight is to assess our happiness rankings and as it comes, as it pertains to being Dolphins fans, because I'm seeing a lot of consternation over there, out there, I should say, over a 21-point victory in a building where the Philadelphia Eagles have lost this year, the Buffalo Bills have lost this year, and the Kansas City Chiefs were taken to the brink this year against a defense that has made life tough on opposing quarterbacks, that's for sure. But Miami went in there, and the utter dominance they displayed in this game, and tell me about all the backups and all the injuries and all the situations you want to talk about. Miami had literally 10 offensive linemen that were either on IR into this game with an injury designation or played in the game in general. Like every single piece of the offensive line has some type of ailment. They have had injuries all year long on this side, on the Dolphins defense, you know, getting healthy late in the year, whatever, whatever your excuses are for that Jets team, that Jets performance, you just went and won a short week road game in the division by 21 points to put yourself atop the conference. I, ex- I suppose the standard has been raised to a certain level to kind of, you know, copycat Mike McDaniel's comments last week. But man, like, what are we doing? What the heck are we doing complaining about a win like that? My my brother, love you, dude, and his, the group of friends that he has that we are all in a chat with, they were saying like they feel as defeated after this victory as they ever have. And I'm just like, go eat some key lime pie, man, because I'm not feeling that way at all. Let's go ahead and talk about these stats. At one point in the fourth quarter of this game, Miami had 320 yards to the Jets 50. The Jets had 70 yards and penalty yardage at that point. This was the dominance of the likes that the Dolphins saw on the other side of the football in 2007. Like enjoy these wins, enjoy destroying a team that you loathe and look forward to the week every single year. Let's go ahead and look at the final stats here in Miami's 34-13 win over the New York Jets. 22 first downs to 12. We'll talk more about you know where they were at a certain point in the game later on. Miami was 11 for 16 on third downs against what has been a top five defense all year, right? The Jets were 5 for 14. Again, all of that came late. Miami 0 for 1 on fourth. The Jets were 2 for 3 on fourth. 395 yards to 159. 228 passing to 130, 167 rushing to 29. They ran 14 more plays. They had one more turnover, which we'll get to that later as well. The Dolphins sacked 
Tim Boyle seven times. Forgot his name there for a second. They also were sacked themselves just twice, and Tua was under the least amount of pressure of any Jets game this year. We'll talk about that more in a moment as well. Penalties, six for 38 from Miami, six for uh, 60 for the Jets. So I guess the penalty yards got taken back there because that was a different stat that I read. So six for 60 for the Jets. Miami had the football for 34, 35 minutes and 41 seconds. So yeah, I, I just... I think if you can't enjoy that win, it's time to maybe reevaluate your football fandom because the Lions were nearly double-digit favorites over their division rival at home and got waxed by two scores yesterday. Like, it happens, and the Dolphins have not let that happen one time this year. We've seen every team just about lose to a team that they quote-unquote shouldn't have. Hasn't happened for the Miami Dolphins. Let's go ahead and hear, though, from head coach Mike McDaniel here to, you know, if, if, if there's one thing that you should be upset about, it's this. And I'll play the sound right here. It sucks to see him go down. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach on the loss of Jalen Phillips. It was emotional. I think that's one of the the special things about this particular team is uh, there's a lot of shared journeys. So, um, you know, I, I, everybody sees what he puts in on a daily basis. Um, everyone knows how bad he wants to take um, steps and uh, in his game and and you know, um, be absolutely great in this league, which he, which he has. I've been very proud of him the whole season. And, um, you know, uh, it's very, very tough, um, in the short term, um, my, from my vantage point and just my experience with people, um, you know, we, uh, if, you know, if it's the worst case scenario, it's also, um, you know, you get a chance to write your own story. So um, he's he's the type of person, and um, he has the right mindset where he'll be able to turn um, anything that's perceived as negative into an eventual positive. But this is going to be tough and trying for him um, uh, as we, you know, get our information back and, um, you know, uh, prepare ourselves for the uh, worst-case scenario. Yeah, you saw the somber news of the evening went down with a non-contact injury. We saw the calf recoil. Didn't look good. Coach said as much right there. I just thought it was important to hear about the emotional weight that leaves on a football team when you lose a critical guy like that to not just your football team, but also you have to remember this was a guy that as a rookie was the Dolphins' Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination. He is as involved in the community as anybody I've ever been around in terms of you know my four years here with the Miami Dolphins. And just a general good dude, the kind of guy that says, what up, Trav, when you walk by in the hallway, like JP, get well soon, man. Thinking about you, uh, tore our collective heart as me, Seth and OJ watched apart, watching him get carted off with a towel over his face, covering what was pretty obviously tears. Like, gosh, man, this, this sport can be brutal sometimes for, for people that you, you really care about. So JP, get well soon, man. You're the best. We're having a hell of a game. And just the way he was pursuing Boyle, the way he was chasing plays on the back end, the sack that he had, he was like, clearly going to get, you know, I think going to get to double digit sacks at some point this year uh, with the way he had come on since that injury. But hopefully it's not too serious. But as McDaniel had mentioned, it looks, it looks to be not great. So we'll get more updates for that later on in the week, as well as the rest of the injury report news. Let's go ahead and talk about the story of this game as it played out quickly we thought for a moment we were gonna have a two and a half hour football game there but it kind of slowed down late towards the end it starts off with the Jets taking the football I was excited about um, 
going on defense first, and it started off how you would think that it might. Bradley Chubb, I mean, he and Phillips, the way they played the edge run game all year long has been so, so impressive, and now it's going to be up to Emmanuel Ogba and Andrew Van Ginkle to fill those shoes for Phillips, most likely going forward. But the first play of the game, you get a Chubb TFL, you then get a offsides, it gives them a first down, but then a Phillips TFL puts him back behind the chains, and then all of a sudden they are three and out from there. So Jets, minimal first downs in this first half. In fact, they had just two. And one of them was on that opening drive there, thanks to an offsides penalty that gave him the first down. Then Miami gets it back, and I thought showed you how the game was going to go from their offensive standpoint. They moved the football all night long. They moved it on this drive right away. You get sloppy play off the start, right? The left, uh, Cotton got beat on a, a move by Quinn and Williams that dumps Mostert in the backfield for a loss, and they get a personal foul after the fact, so a first down there, right? Then you throw a swing route to Raheem Mostert, and it looks like maybe a fumble, but it was knocked out before. Still goes down as a drop, pushes him back, second and 10 instead of second and five. Puts you behind the sticks against a tough team with a good pass rush. You get a third and eight, and then I love this ball. I love this play. I love this call, the decision, all of it. Tua's got Tyreek one-on-one to the boundary, the short side of the field. All the coverage weighted over to the field, the wider side. They throw a go ball, and it's Tyreek for a big game right in the bucket. I think it was 34 yards in that play. Come back to Waddle for eight. Then they get another drop. I I throw to Durham Smythe that got dropped, and that's, you know, two drops early on was frustrating. Then they go to the screen to Tyreek Hill. And we'll talk about this in the takeaways. Like the way they press the edges of this Jets defense was so impressive. Uh, so impressive as that goes for a first down. Um, and Jalen Waddle, by the way, blocking on that play was really impressive too. You get another six-yard run from Raheem Mostert. Then you get yourself into a third and three situation where Tua has to scramble, picks up one, fourth and two. We throw a fade to the corner of the end zone. The exact same play that Tyreek beat the Chargers on. And it's an absolute dime once again. He beats Sauce Gardner off the line, stacks him, the ball's over the top of the shoulder, just can't quite reel it in. And we go four and out down there in the goal to go inside the five-yard line situation. So not an ideal start in terms of points, but you saw early on they could move the football against this Jets defense. And then a three and out for the Jets backed up. And I love the decision to go for it on fourth down because an offense that is struggling the way the Jets have, Put them inside their own five-yard line. You get a stop right there. You almost essentially put yourself back in field goal range with a three and out, and that's just what Miami did. JP destroys the right tackle, nearly gets a safety. Boyle does a no-look throwaway, and it's not grounding. It's a good call by the officials. But man, if you throw a ball from your own end zone blind towards the line of scrimmage, I feel like you should pay for that with a pick. It doesn't go that way. But either way, Christian Wilkins blows up the next play for a run stuff. And then you get another Jalen Phillips retrace on a check down going all the way across the formation to make a big play and get the Dolphins defense off the field. Man, going to miss having his production if he if the injury is as bad as it looked like it was. Dolphins get the football back and they kick a field goal. And another love of the game route from Waddle clears up space for Durham for a first down. You get Jeff Wilson rolling this one, a 12-yard run behind a really good Liam Eichenberg block, which, by the way, all of a sudden at right guard, Liam Eichenberg, you know, that's Rob Hunt's position, but looks like we have a pretty good, you know, interior sixth man right there in that spot. He's played really well at that right guard spot. Um, the right line, the right side of the line in general was getting great push off the edge. You get a... Uh, Another third and one curious situation call that goes incomplete to Durham. And then a fourth and one situation where 
Jason Sanders comes onto the field and you're thinking like, they're going to kick it now. That was kind of not what McDaniel has done in the past, but you get points there. I get the decision after you failed the first time. So put points on the board and force the Jets to play from behind, which you do. So three, nothing to start the second quarter or late in the first quarter, I should say. Another Jets three and out. Phillips, another TFL. I didn't realize how dominant he was until I'm reading my notes back here once again. Then a third and 15 check down where Baker backs out of a blitz and then goes and gets a TFL. Jerome Baker played really, really well in this game. Also got himself another interception in this one. Then Miami goes down the field and scores a touchdown. Third and six after a couple of runs where two was patient in the pocket. The rush collapses, steps up and finds Waddle in the middle of the field. Then we get another drop pass, but this ball I thought was behind Tyreek Hill, so I'm not going to put it on him. And I just was noting this because the Dolphins, if they could just get out of their own way, would be <laughs> to me, by far the best team in the NFL, but self-inflicted errors when they repeat themselves kind of are who you are at that point until you correct it. It's kind of like Coach McDaniel said about the narrative about beating winning teams. It's going to be who you are until you do something about it. So that's kind of how I feel about the just shooting yourself in the foot situations. But then we get Jeff Wilson, third and five, little Texas route. And again, Jeff looking good, looking healthy, looking like he's rolling a little bit with that power behind those pads, runs that Texas route, angles out the linebacker across his face. Tua finds him for another big time conversion. Then we get to a third and six play and Tua once again converts. Tua was playing so well until the middle part of the game where it's a corner route to waddle off the back foot. The Ball kind of hung up there a little bit, but it's a tough contested grab. Put it right where it had to be. Move the chains. You get yourself into a goal-to-go situation, and you get Tyreek Hill in the backfield. How nice is that as a compliment? Throw him a little flare, a little flat route. He goes in for six, and it's the 20th consecutive game of Tua's that he's thrown a touchdown pass in, which is now one game better than Josh Allen's 19-game streak that he has going into Sunday against Philadelphia, and it's 10 games behind Dan Marino's all-time franchise record, 30 consecutive games with a TD pass. So 10-0 Dolphins, Jets punt the ball back again. They do get their second first down with eight minutes to play in the half, but then Jalen Phillips swats a pass down, and then you get a third and three Christian Wilkins sack, who has now six and a half on the year, had two on the night, impressive showing for him. His career high leads the team in sacks as well. He is balling. Dolphins punt the football back after a sack gets Tua on the turf on a third down after a couple of first downs on that drive. You put it back to the Jets, but you get a Wilkins and Phillips run stuff that creates a third and one. And then Cater Kohu flies downhill on a little flare route to the perimeter. And hey, stop throwing the ball short of the, of the line of scrimmage to Cater Kohu's man because he's going to put him on the ground and you're going to lose yards. That's what happens here. They punt the ball back and then the bad started to happen. Tua throws a ball that... Just, I just, that's so out of his character. And you might say like, well, he has turned the ball over a lot lately. Yeah, he has, but not in this way. Like you're going to hear from coach and Tua here in just a second. They'll tell you what happened there. But like the speed out to the slot, just not identifying that cornerback driving down on that out route. It's just so out of what I'm used to seeing from him that I don't think it'll carry over, but in this instance, uh, wasn't a good look, wasn't a good play. The Jets get on the board. They miss the PAT 10-6, puts him back in the game, and then we throw another one. This ball is another out route that's kind of behind the receiver. DJ Reed makes a great catch to pull it in, but it puts the Dolphins in a situation where they have two turnovers and back-to-back drives and have welcomed the Jets back into the game. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach McDaniel on those two interceptions. I think that everything's a, a learning situation. I think um, two is going to say that you know that can't happen. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna say that there's uh, you know I, I I definitely wasn't right in my play call, um, but so you know he's we've got to work together and I 
Um, I, I put a lot of trust in his hands, and he's going to protect me um, in that way. And he, what I was very happy about is those offer a couple. You know, the second one, you know, it's it's hard for me to, you know, that's that that's a that's a tough one. That um, you know, I I think it's more the first one um, that that I think in hindsight we could really have back. He'll say both, um, but I'm always looking for. Uh, you know, those type of scenarios to make sure that we are in our progression, um, you know, as working together and that he's he's in the appropriate space because things are going to happen that you're not going to like. Um, and one of the biggest uh, obstacles he's had to climb is, uh, you know, frustration with within his own game, within a game, and making sure that that doesn't linger. What I did see was him bounce back and um that takes a lot of training especially when um he's in the, he's as accountable of a player as he is um you know that he he is he is absolutely positively so angry with himself in those moments but to be able to come back and uh and lead with authority and um do all the things that we ask him to do to execute on uh a down and down a basis um, for the rest of the game. I thought um, was was very encouraging. I also thought that he uh, probably had his best third down game against a really good third down defense. That's a very good defense in general, but in third down, they it's not easy to move the chains. And um, you know, I think we were eleven for sixteen on third down. So um, there was there was some good stuff there too. So um, it's not all uh, picks um, in my mind. Uh, I, it, there was a lot of good performance by him, and then also I really liked how he, he bounced back from that um, and didn't let that uh, keep him from playing the position uh, as we know he, he is capable of um, throughout the rest of the game. And let's go ahead and hear from QB1. on the Mike calls the plays. Uh, we got to go out there and execute him. I didn't execute him. That's, that's what that was. Um, very, very, uh, very disappointed in, in how I, uh, conducted that, that, uh, drive, those two drives at the ending of the half, um, just, just can't do that. And, um, you know, our, put our defense in some tough situations, but our defense came through. Um, but needless to say, um, coming into the second half was very proud of how we, uh, were operating offensively. Um, when we did get opportunities from the defense, um, we sustained a long drive and ended that, ended that with uh, points. Very proud of our O-line, very proud of our run game, um, and uh, very proud of uh, this team. Uh, it's hard to win um, road games, especially against a team like this, a division game. Um, I'm very proud of our guys. Then the Jets try to throw the ball into the end zone on a Hail Mary, and you know what happened from there. Javon Holland picks it off and runs it back 99 yards for a pick six at the end of the half, just one day after the anniversary of the butt fumble. You get a 
First of all, when he caught that ball, I was yelling to Seth and Juice. There are no receivers down there. It's only big guys, only fat guys back on the other side of the football field right now. He has a chance to go, and he did. Got great blocking all the way down the field, and Christian Wilkins rolls down the field and puts Brees Hall from the 30-yard line down to the 18-yard line. A 12-yard drive block that was awesome to see, and a nice little callback to Lasher and Quinn Williams put Tyreek Hill on the ground. It was nice to get that shoe on the other foot here and celebrate in big fashion there. Really Massive play from Javon Holland. Excellent running after the catch. Put Tim Boyle on the turf. Took his ankles out on that one. That was rough to see. Let's go ahead and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on the momentum swing that was that Javon Holland pick six. I talked to the team a bunch about this. And, you know, I I, I think too often or, you know, we're vulnerable in, t- in terms of we have a lot of individuals uh, putting more in to everything than they ever have before. And they've been playing football their whole lives. And in those, in those situations, you know, one of my biggest concerns is that individuals put too much on themselves and not recognize um, the team of playmakers that we have and how um, we can play off of each other and um, pick each other up. And it was absolutely a, a, a huge uh, momentum swing um, that, you know, I think there's very few players that could have pulled off what, what Javon did. So, um, you know, you're, I, 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 uh, I think he's um, – Javon's the type of player that has uh, very high aspirations for himself, and our, and our team knows that he can um, uh, be the best player on the field at any given moment. Um, he's, he's watched a ton of Ed Reed tape. Um, and that was very reminiscent of Ed, Ed Reed for sure. So that was, a, that was a cool moment that I think um, uh, nobody on this team that was on the field um, will forget that particular play, and that's pretty special when, um, when, you're, when you're talking about it will probably be the first play that people think of when you think back to this game. So um, it was a big-time play and something that our team needed. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there as Javon Holland makes it 17-6 to at the break. We'll come back on the other side, do the second half worth of game notes here, and give you my five big picture takeaways, plus more sound from Tua and Coach, and the play before the play. All of that's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Your head. <laughs> hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like... say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
17-6 as the Dolphins take the football back to start the third quarter, and they convert early on a third and three with a 33-yard completion to Jalen Waddle on a slot takeoff, and what a throw, what a route that was, and another tough contested catch from the Penguin to get vertical on their slot cornerback in that position. Saw the saw the matchup, took advantage of it, threw it vertical, and Tua, man, hitting these these third third and short or or otherwise hitting those deep shots like that can really take the pressure off the short intermediate passing game and so that was critical to see in this one something that I'm very excited about to go back and watch because again the two picks will definitely cloud your mind in terms of how this game played out for QB1 but there were some really nice throws mixed in there that Again, unfortunately, won't get the headlines, but you should think about them because this is a tough Jets defense that plays sticky coverage and gets pressure on the quarterback, and Tua looked big in some of those spots. Again, again, two picks, killer, but you have to understand every single play is an evaluation opportunity, and there was lots of positives in this game for QB1. So they get that. They go down and kick a field goal from 54. Austin Jackson got beat for his first sack in a long, long time right there, so that was kind of surprising to see. But again, this Jets pass rush, very, very good. Sanders, good from 54. Great to see him get it going and knock down another 50-yard field goal for the second consecutive week. Jets come back out, three and out. It's a Christian Wilkins uh, sack that turns it into third and a mile, six and a half for him again on the season, a career high. He puts him way behind the chains, gets defense off the field. And then the most impressive drive to me, maybe of the entire season, Dolphins get the ball back at their own eight yard line and they march it 92 yards on 15 plays and take nine minutes and three seconds off the clock to take a fourth quarter lead of 27 to six for all intents and purposes. That was good night nurse right there. There's a third and three play early in the drive. Tua has a hookup to Tyreek Hill that moves the sticks. Best third down game of the season by so far. Teron Armstead did have to exit here with an injury and Keon Smith replaced him. Eventually Kendall Lamb steps into that spot. But, you know, we'll see how he, McDaniel mentioned the injuries and we'll, we'll take a look at it, you know, later in the week uh, when they have their, you know, meetings with Kyle Johnson, Dolphins head athletic trainer, and get you more updates on that as we go along. But lots of shuffling because of injuries. Keon Smith had a really good block on the third and one conversion. And I wrote down, how about a third and one conversion running the football down the middle, Jeff Wilson popping some pads and moving guys off the line. That was great to see. Then you go right back to the perimeter game as Raheem takes it around the edge and gets great blocks from Julian Hill, who caught himself a body on a pre-snap motion, like jet motion, where he was able to lead into the block, ran downfield, wiped out Sauce Gardner. That was awesome to see. Durham Smythe had a great block. Austin Jackson had a great block. Liam Eichenberg had a great block. Good stuff all around as Raheem takes it in for six to capitalize or to punctuate, I should say, a nine-minute, 92-yard drive that took up 15 plays. And again, got that game going by pretty quickly. Jets take the ball back. And prior to this drive, this is kind of where I stopped notating because eh, the game was over for all intents and purposes. We did see a long Raheem Mostert touchdown run later on in the game that put him just six yards shy of 100. It put Miami at the third most rushing yards against the New York Jets this season. They had the second most passing yards in a game against the Jets this season. They had the second most total yards in a game against the Jets this season and the most points against a Jets team this entire season. So all good stuff there. And prior to this Jets next drive where 27-6 early fourth quarter down by three scores, they have not had any success. They had not crossed midfield. They had just two first downs at that point. And they do convert two fourth downs on this drive. Raekwon got a sack. JP got a sack there as well. But again, first trip into Miami Dolphins territory well into the fourth quarter. And again, Miami led the yardage battle 320 to 50 
at one point in this game. So Miami winds up closing it out. The Jets got a late touchdown. Miami got theirs too. 34-13, again, to improve to 8-3 and atop the AFC East. We can root for the Philadelphia Eagles on a 425 kickoff on Sunday. If they can win that game, Miami will improve to two and a half games up in the AFC East. And then the Bills are on their bye week. When we go to Washington, you could potentially take a three-game division lead with five to play. That would be very nice if that were the case. Let's go ahead and dip into the five takeaways here. My first one, where else would you go? The defense is dominant again, and they allow just one point under their average since the return of Jalen Ramsey, but you remove seven of those points because I removed seven of the points against the Chiefs for the fumble six their defense had, and all of a sudden the Jets only scored six points in this game on offense. So Miami just awesome. I wrote down Chubb and Phillips off to excellent starts off the edge in the running game. That continued all night. The interior pressure, both Wilkins and Sealer found sacks in this game were just constantly putting pressure on Tim Boyle, constantly allowing this Dolphins front to play from those light boxes and create chances for both Jerome Baker and David Long. I thought Jerome Baker was fantastic in this game. They are they are fantastic pursuing those checkdowns, playing the ball in front of them and going and getting it and making sure the Jets just were not only not getting first downs on those third and long looks, but also not getting extra yardage. So you're giving yourself an extra 10 yards on offense because instead of you know a 10-yard gain on third and 15, it's only two or three yards, which is so critical in those spots. Uh, Javon Holland's pick six. My goodness, what an amazing play that was. Beautiful team football all the way around there. I thought Deshaun Elliott was fantastic. He continues to have one big tone-setting hit every single week. I thought Cater Kohu was magnificent. Really good coverage on uh, a play against Sauce Gardner in the back. Or, sorry, sorry. Garrett Wilson in the back of the end zone had the big stick I mentioned earlier. The Jets did get their 10th touchdown, which bummed me out because they had a chance to be the first team ever through 11 games in the Super Bowl era to have less than 10 touchdowns. They got the one late. It puts them out of that rarefied air. But before that 17 play drive, they had, again, just two first downs, 0 for 7 on third down. And they did get that drive to end with a Baker interception there. Uh, Only points in the game allowed were a pick six, a 35-yard drive and a short field to that point. And then, of course, they scored late there. But Killer, killer, killer blow to lose Jalen Phillips. It just sucks. It sucks really bad. The Dolphins, this should probably be the sixth takeaway here, but truth be told, this JP loss is just such a crushing loss. And, you know, you need Van Ginkle and Emmanuel Ogba to step up big for you. Let's go ahead, though, and hear from head coach Mike McDaniel on the trajectory of this Dolphins defense and how good they're playing. We talked at a, um, as a team at length. You know, there's part of the, the unintended consequence of, you know, maybe a uh, you know, a side of the ball, um, starting, starting off, um, you know, at a historical rate is there's a lot of attention paid to that side. And, you know, I think the, 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 our defense was kind of overlooked for a while. Um, and, you know, on top of that, it didn't start exactly the way they wanted to this season, but it's been a build. And, uh, you know, I think since, Week eight, you know, um, up until this game, we, we had been number one in the league in um, defense, stopping the run. Um, and, and that, I think that epitomizes the whole team. What they're doing is what we've identified as what we want to do, and that's progress and um, continue to get better as the season progresses. And then um, not, uh, not cower in the face of obvious um, obvious parts of our game that we can get better at. You, you 
you you have higher belief in in the in the entire unit at the beginning of the season than what we're putting out there in terms of like run defense. What do you do about it? You work on that and emphasize it, and uh, it's there's no shortcut to um, to the the gains that they they've made. This has been hard work and dedication each week, belief in in what they're being coached, and then. Um, complete ownership of responsibilities, and you know I've been talking about the way that our that the way that the defense is practiced. Our defense is practiced since um, the Buffalo game. I keep bringing it up, um, and it's amount of it's very satisfying for me as a coach because I know that uh, it, if you just focus on that, that the gains will come, and I think people are starting to see. Um, some of the stuff that we've we've held internally, we've the the high belief and high esteem that we that we have for um, everybody on the defensive side of the ball, including the coaches, and um, as a result, we're we're starting to have uh, a team that's complementing um, each other in, in all three phases. And you know, there's not you can't just show up and say, all right, we're going to stop this or we're going to beat this. Um, to beat the Miami Dolphins, you, you have to deal with um, all sides of the ball. And we had a ton of plays made on the defense side of the ball today, um, plays that determine the outcome of football games, whether that be turnovers or um, uh, sacks or, or just very, very competitive um, swarming defense that, that is, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there. We'll come back on the other side and do takeaways two through five. almost said four through five. Also, the play before the play and some final notes I have for you guys. That's all next. Draft Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top not of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Takeaway number one, defense is dominant. Takeaway number two here as we roll into the third segment late on a Friday night, early on a Saturday morning, depending on when you get this podcast. And number two is that Waddle is back and the cheetah never left. Now, I talked to Waddle in the locker room two weeks ago and told him about the play and practice where I saw him leap over the Gatorade fixture, the table and all the stuff that they set up out there between the two fields and said, man, you're looking pretty good. He said, yeah, I feel really healthy. Like for the first time this year, I feel like my healthiest I've been all season. I thought he looked fast in that game last week and was really 
you know, probably could have had a lot more yards than he did. I thought he looked like a blur in this game on Friday. And the, the, the love of the route, love of the game routes are still there, clearing out space for guys. The block on that Tyreek screen on the first drive where he took out two people to put him into a big catch and run situation. The slot fade was awesome job of route running, release, stack, stem and stack, and then make the contested catch. Had another contested catch earlier in the game as well. Uh, just fantastic stuff. And then of course, Tyreek, man, like, you know, to line him up in the backfield on a, on a, you know, a red zone play to throw the ball to essentially a running back wide receiver. That's a special skill to have right there. He gets his own opening play, uh, deep shot as well. Those, these big plays are, they're essentially point scoring plays. You flip the field, it changes the game. It puts the drive in a position to score points where previously it was not. That was cool to see. But Tyreek got shaken up a little bit early on, on that big reception, hurts his uh, foot ankle area. And what does Waddle do? But in that moment, step up and just start making a bunch of big plays where last week, Tyreek misses one drive, Waddle goes three for 36. And again, not saying Reek was hurt, but he just was, you know, shaken up and missed a couple of snaps there. It's nice to have another one wide receiver when you're, best receiver in the National Football League goes down. Both Tyreek and Waddle go over 100 on the game. Jalen Waddle caught all eight of his targets in this one, and Tyreek scored his 10th touchdown of the season. But against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, not bad. Not bad at all. Takeaway number three here, won the edge against the Jets defense. I said it was so critical all week long to win the perimeter, both in the passing game, but especially in the running game. That involves the short screen game. It involves the toss game outside. And one thing that's always going to neutralize a good pass rush is to run the football and especially wide. We did that very, very well. The Durham throw to the perimeter, the Tyreek touchdown, the screen game, like I mentioned. But then, of course, the two picks, right? Duality of this game. We dominated the outside of Outside of those two throws, we dominated on the perimeter, I should say. And I love the plan. I think it translates to future success against opponents like Dallas, like Baltimore, like the, these Jets again in a few weeks, teams that have really good pass rushes that want to get up field after you. I think you have to have success in these areas to beat teams like that. And I don't know the numbers yet, but man, we were good running the football out wide, right? Jeff Wilson got a lot of juice out there where he would kind of stretch things out and then pound it back on the inside. Then you'd go back wide again to Raheem Mostert, get both of them involved in the passing game. And again, the 92-yard drive, 15 plays, like against a top-line defense that has been known for being physical and playing bully football. And Juice brought this up in the post-game show. Like, we've talked about this team having issues against teams that got more physical against them and disrupted timing and controlled the line of scrimmage. Miami just put it to a team that's probably best in all those categories. Like, think about that for a moment. Really, really nice to see that. And that was impressive and undid some of the concerns. I think the earlier part of the game brought me and probably you as well and brought to the surface those are my last two takeaways. We'll get to those in a second. But the Jets had their fewest pressures of the season by a long, long shot. And they did that with an offensive line that came up with, again, the entire group was either questionable or not playing. Uh, you lose to Ron Armstead in-game. Keon Smith is up for some of his first NFL action. Austin Jackson gets tossed out of the game. So you're moving Keon Smith from one spot to the next. In comes Kendall Lamb, who popped up with an injury of his own on, on Friday. All things told, great job by those guys. And best of all, we still have the same starting quarterback as we did in game one, now going into game number 12. That's great to hear. Let's go ahead and hear how QB1's feeling, by the way, at this stage of the season. I feel good. I feel as good as I think anyone playing in the league uh, is feeling uh, right now in week, what is this, week 12, week 11, uh, whatever week it is. So as good as uh, everyone else is feeling, that's how I feel. Let's go ahead and stay right there with Tua for takeaway number four, that he needs to just cut out a couple of throws every single game. These turnover issues, man. 
I think it's disingenuous to not mention it. I loved how he played before the picks. I loved how he bounced back. His first throw after the picks was a deep shot dime to Jalen Waddell. Just perfectly placed on that one. But you're going to be in close games when you see the teams again that we've lost to, right? If you see KC in January, you'll see Buffalo again in early January. Maybe even Philadelphia, who knows? But those teams are going to require you to be on top of your stuff and be sharp and not have self-inflicted wounds that cost you points and drives and does not give the football back to the opposing team for multiple short fields and just taking away your own possessions because of turnovers. You have to cut those out at some point. And I think you have to mention it here because of what we aspire this team to be. Because besides those two plays, he was fantastic. But we've just said that too frequently where you have these stretches this year where he doesn't turn the football over like he's had that in the past. We need to see that again at some point this year. Hopefully it happens in January, but it needs to happen at some point or another. And again, the Jets' only touchdown before the late one comes off of defense. And so this offense now all of a sudden has given the Giants a pick six, the Panthers a pick six. That was, you know, a different quarterback. The Chiefs a fumble six. The Jets a pick six. Add in a Broncos kickoff return touchdown. That's 35 points where the defense isn't even out there. This does not factor in the drives where you got stops immediately after the offense put them in field goal range where you had the Raiders times two, the the Tua fumble and the Julian Hill fumble against the Patriots. Tua's pick put them in shape for a field goal. Like, got to stop doing this, man. I'm critical because my expectations and where I think this team's standard are. That's why this is one of the takeaways here after a big win. We all want to win the last game of the year, right? We think think this team is capable of that. So I just want to be very, very clear that we have a top five quarterback in this league, a top five team on our hands. But if you want to win three or four straight games in January and in February, you have to ask yourself, what are the flaws? How do you fix them? That's been one. The next takeaway has been another. But before that, let's go ahead and finish up takeaway number four here with Tua being asked where he feels he is with his game. Uh, I I feel good about about my game. Um, I'm not satisfied uh, whatsoever about, uh, you know, what, what I, what I'm doing right now. I know I can continue to get better with that, but throughout these, uh, these, uh, late stretches, you know, of, of having these games, um, going to need a better ball for me. So I need to do that. Just love hearing that not satisfied comment, but also feeling good and feeling confident because you should too. You're playing really good this season and been the primary catalyst to why this team is where it is right now, uh, 11 games into the season. Just one more note on that footnote there that, look, every team has flaws, right? Every single club in the NFL has flaws. The best ones have the minimal flaws. The best ones find ways to mask those flaws late in the season to go win a championship. That's all I'm trying to do here is raise the questions about how do we get these things fixed because this team... Like Tua said himself, the sky is the limit. Let's get these things buttoned up and go out and win a bunch of games and have a lot of fun late in the season. Takeaway number five is another one of these things. The short yardage issues continued early on. Ball security, a minor annoyance, but it did improve late in the game. It's just the last piece of the puzzle to me, man. It really is. Like, look at how smooth and efficient we were up and down the field once again in this game. But you get no points inside the five-yard line. You drop a pass in the end zone. The throw to Durham on third and one before the field goal just felt like a low percentage play there. And it's also in tight coverage. The Jets had a light box there with Jeff Wilson rolling at that point of the drive. Then the pick six before the half, like, We talked about it already. Three drops in the first half. Raheem nearly had a fumble that goes as a drop. These are things while you come up short against Casey and Philly and you button them up, you have 
you're nine and two, you're ten and one, and you're rolling to the first seed in the AFC. So I don't think it's crazy to demand a little bit more of a sharp operation with those things because if you do it, this team is going to be one to be reckoned with here in just a few weeks from the playoffs kickoff. So, so there you go. Those are the five takeaways. Long podcast again here tonight. Let's go ahead and make two more points and then get out of here. How about the third down offense, man? 10 to 15 to start, 11 of 16 to finish the thing. Allowed us to run a bunch more plays than they did, possess the football way longer. You help the defense that way. You can do that with your explosive drives as well. Again, going to be a tough team to beat. Competed against a very good defense in a great way. Out-physicaled them. There were just three plays I wish we had differently. That's all there is to it. Three out of 120, whatever it is, like not that bad. The two picks, the Tyreek Hill drop touchdown pass. Aside from that, good showing. And the play before the play was the drive before the end of the half. They go false start, then a 12-yard completion sets up second and three. Wilkins wins a one-gap play inside and forces the back to bounce right back into Jalen Phillips, who also won inside. And then Cater Coe, who has the big stick on third and one for a loss, and they punt the ball before the half. Second and three, typically the offense finds a way to convert on the next two plays, but because of Wilkins and Phillips' work on that, you create a chance on the third down, you execute on third down, you get the football back. Good stuff there all around. Good team win in this one. Dolphins again, eight and three, 34 13 over the New York Jets. That's my time. Subscribe, rate, review, follow on social at Winkfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the post-game show. We're going to post it for you guys on Saturday morning. Me, Seth, and OJ were on fire this week uh, talking all things Dolphins and Jets. Of course, the team YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Caroline and Cameron, Daddy's coming home. Thank you.